This morning's scripture is from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. But for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it, and how from the childhood you have known the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof and correction, and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. Today we continue the series Fake News. It's a series that we did last summer where we looked at phrases that we often hear and say as Christians. Phrases that sound like they're from the Bible and we assume that they're true. And so, like fake news, we share them without confirming whether they're from the reliable source of Scripture. In the next few weeks, we will take a look at phrases that seem true, but after closer examination, aren't as true as we think. This week, we look at the phrase, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Like other fake news, this one certainly sounds correct. If God says something, of course we should believe it. If we had a question and a messenger from God stood before us and told us God's answer, then we would believe it. That would settle it. What Christians often mean by God said it, though, is that the Bible says it. Therefore, they believe it, and then that settles it. And that, too, seems right, but this phrase oversimplifies God's role and our role in reading Scripture. First, saying God said it, it assumes that the words of Scripture were, in essence, dictated to the biblical authors by God. Now, there are indeed passages where this is correct, where biblical authors claim that they literally literally received God's words. Moses, at times, says that God dictated sections of the law. And then in the prophets, they sometimes say that, like in Jeremiah, the Lord's word came to me. Most of the time, though, the biblical authors don't claim that God dictated words to them. Instead, they say that they are writing down their insights and ideas and their reflections about God's will. In Paul's letter, which comprise over half of the New Testament, all of his letters together, he never claims that his words and his thoughts are synonymous or are exactly with God's words and thoughts. He does, however, trust that he is being led by the Spirit. And so God does speak through Paul's writings. As United Methodists, we believe that Scripture was inspired by God. And this comes from our Scripture reading for today in 2 Timothy. The Greek for this phrase of inspired by God is just one word, theonoustos, and it doesn't appear anywhere else in the Bible. It comes from two words, theo, which means God, and noustos, which refers to breath or wind or spirit. 
inspired by God, means God breathed into Scripture, just as God breathed into creation when God created. Paul is saying here in this Scripture for today that God breathed into the sacred writings, making them useful for teaching, for showing mistakes, for correcting, for training character, so that the person who belongs to God can be equipped to do everything that is good. This is, in fact, how Scripture functions for us. It helps us to shape our understanding of who God is and what God's will is for our lives so that we can do what is good. When we say that we believe that Scripture is inspired, it means that even though it was written by humans— God breathed life into it, creating something holy out of ordinary words. And then the last part of this phrase, that settles it. It's also overly simplistic, making it sound as though we're excused from any work in reading Scripture. Instead, when we read Scripture, we interpret it, no matter if we realize we're doing it or not. We take into account the passage, the passage's historical context, what led to its writings, what it meant to the original audience, and then what it means for us today as people, and then also taking into consideration our own experiences and understandings. The Jewish people have been doing this work of biblical interpretation ever since Moses came down from the mountain. They've created an enormous oral commentary called the Mishnah, of how great rabbis have debated the interpretation of texts and then stories that are related to those texts, and then their applications in their lives. And Jesus was part of this tradition. He often pushed back against the rabbis of his day and the way that they usually interpreted scripture. We just got done with our Sermon on the Mount series, where Jesus repeatedly says in that sermon, you have heard it said this way, and then quoting scripture, and then following it with, but I say to you this way, and offering a different interpretation of the text. This phrase of God said it, I believe it, that settles it. It's tricky because It deals with something that is very essential and sacred to our Christian faith, the way that we understand Scripture and how God is speaking to us. But it's important to realize that when we're reading and we're praying through these Scriptures, it's more complex than taking whatever is written at face value. We must consider the history and the context and a whole host of other things. But then that can turn people off from reading scripture. Many people have said to me, well, I don't know how to read scripture, and I don't want to get it wrong, so I'm just not going to try. But one way that we can know whether we are understanding scripture appropriately is by interpreting it through the lens of Jesus and Jesus' life and teachings, particularly the commands to love God and love others. Pastor Adam Hamilton has used the analogy of a colander for this. A colander is a strainer, 
used to wash vegetables. And so you can rinse off the dirt and other things that you don't want to eat that are on the vegetables and leaving just the food. When we read scripture, we should question those, those passages that are inconsistent with the things that Jesus said or did or the command that Jesus gave us to love God and love neighbor and see what is really, what is God saying here? For example, in Leviticus chapter 20, verse 10, it said, we read that the penalty for adultery was death. But when a woman who was caught in the act of adultery was then brought to Jesus by a crowd that was about to stone her, Jesus told them, whoever hasn't sinned, throw the first stone. The people then dropped their stones one by one and walked away. Now, Jesus didn't excuse this woman's adultery. He forgave it, and he commanded her to not sin again. So when our colander is Jesus, the punishment of death for adultery falls through and is washed away. But the truth of forgiveness and repentance remains. This phrase that God said it, I believe it and that settles it, is fake news in that it just oversimplifies scripture and it ignores the spirit and the holy work that we participate in when we read the stories and the lessons that God wants to share with us. The thing of it is, everyone is able to read and understand scripture. We just have to be open to the spirit. God's breath was not only in the writing of scripture, God's creative breath, but is also present in our reading of Scripture. Like so many things in the Christian faith, reading Scripture can be very complex and, and challenging at times. But that doesn't mean that it's also not incredibly easy if we are willing to be receptive to the Spirit moving in and through us. Scripture wasn't given to us in order to be settled and then set aside. Scripture was written and given to us to breathe life, life into our daily lives. And so that God may continue to breathe and create and restore in our hearts and in this world. Thank you, God. Amen.